are listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Mark Falconer joining us back in the studio. Welcome, Mark. Morning, Jason. How are you, Mark? Oh, terrific. It's great to be here today. Now, Mark, I believe um, you should be feeling pretty good. You've been away up to the Gold Coast, up to the nice weather up there. Oh, it was great to get away, and it was nice to have a break from Tasmania. And it's nice to walk out in the evenings and uh, feel the warmth. Feel warmth. <laughs> I love that. That's uh, one thing when I travel to Queensland, I always enjoy. Yeah, and especially not having to dome on about three jackets and yes. put the hood on like you had to do this morning. Absolutely. We did have one or two warm days down here while you are away, but uh, I'm sure you had more warm days up there. Uh, we did. So what were you doing up in uh, on the Gold Coast? Uh, we had a chaplain's conference there where the chaplains for all our schools all converged on the Gold Coast for a conference there, and uh, it was great to be there. And uh, I had to present a couple of workshops. And, uh, yeah, our chaplains uh, work really hard, very committed in mm. their work. Mm. They have a very difficult job too, by the way. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, a few of them were um, sharing how the challenge of sharing uh, our message with teenagers who are worlds apart. And this is what struck me. Uh, that our young people on how far away uh, their world is to our world mm. as as Christian Adventists. Mm. Very challenging sharing that message because in my day we used to go to Sunday school and the Bible was still, you know, very much a part of common language, but n- not today, mm. not with what they watch on media and what they consume. Mm. In fact, there's quite a, um, a resistance against <laughs> any uh, Christian um, values and, and ideologies in, in our society, and I guess this is a society that our young people are growing up in now. V- very much so. And I'll mm. just tell you one thing that really surprised me. I, I knew it was high, but the consumption of uh, social media uh, by young people uh, they consume around about 44 and a half hours of social media a week. Mm. Do you realise that's a full, more than a full-time job? That's incredible. Six hours overtime there yeah. <laughs> if you're on a 38-hour week. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> if they got paid for doing it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I guess uh, that's what many of the uh, influencers on social media, you know, that's they take advantage of that to, to earn a living, but... Uh, yeah, and it's not all it's not all good stuff for our young people, unfortunately. No. I've got some good stuff for our listeners today. If you're in the Hobart area, we've got a program coming up. It's called Lifestyle Medicine, Eating for Good Health. Uh, on Friday, we had Libby Hogan and, on our show and talking about uh, health and nutrition. In particular, she was talking about the rise of chronic disease. Now, this uh, program is really about... Uh, some uh, good information presentations it's about some good recipes that she'll be presenting as well and preparing in front of our own eyes and it'll be about tasting those recipes as well this is four weeks of um, presentation demonstration and tasting so if you're in the Hobart area it's not too late to book for this it starts this Thursday 
on the 27th of October, 7pm, in the Hobart area. So if you're not in the Hobart area, this may be difficult for you to get to, but uh, do text in EATWELL22, EATWELL, one word, 22. Text that into 0488-880891 to get more information about this event, and uh, there's also a link to book if you'd like to attend. So we would love you to attend the event starting this Thursday, so not long to book now. Um, Mark, last time you presented on our program, is Jesus really serious about us living as light? It was a great study, and I think we focused around First uh, John chapter 1 and a little bit into chapter 2. Um, it was a great program, and uh, I want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that. That was two weeks ago. You can listen to it on the Faith FM website, uh, go to the Listen menu, Programs and Podcasts, or you can download the Faith FM app from the App Store if you don't already have it on your phone. It's a great way to listen to Faith FM using the app. You can listen to our live programs. You can listen to all our past episodes. And, you know, if you've got uh, Apple Podcasts, you can listen to our Tassie Encounters episodes on there as well. Just search for Tassie Encounters and you'll find us. And uh, there was another thing that I found out the other day. There's this app called TuneIn Radio where you can listen to Faith FM Australia live. Um, that's our live feed. But also, if you search for Tassie Encounters on TuneIn Radio, you'll get all of our past programs as well. So I learn things all the time, you know, when it, all the places that our programs go. It's quite amazing. Jason, you're a techno whiz. Well, I don't make all that happen, but, uh, yeah, no, it's great to, to find out that our programs are going in lots of different places. So um today mark we've got our program and it's titled is jesus really serious about conquering babylon i reckon we should get started and uh we'll um start off with a story i guess you like to start with a story yeah i do and uh i remember very clearly and i remember the day uh when america were gathering its forces when saddam hussein decided to invade Kuwait. I remember that really quite clearly because I was uh, preparing for exams at university at, around that time. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching the TV. Mm. Well, Saddam Hussein thought it was a good idea to invade Kuwait, and I'm not sure why he thought it was such a good idea, but you know, given that he was short of money uh, after eight years of uh, warring with Iran... He thought, well, nobody would worry about me invading Kuwait to try and get more money and to rebuild up the coffers again. How sadly mistaken he was because mm. the world drew together a massive coalition of, of forces of 750,000 troops. Mm. That's staggering numbers, isn't it? Mm. And uh, 550,000, well, actually, sorry, 540 thousand were American troops so that's an awful lot that's an awful lot of food and water to also mm. uh, trucking as well to ship over and no doubt they had their own McDonald's there as well mm. uh, <laughs> so but but you see Saddam Hussein thought that the odds were with him do you know why because he had over a million troops mm. and they say that when you're fighting on uh, your opponent's soil, you need a ratio of three to one and also, and to win. So that means three million troops. No way. No way. So 
General Norman Schwarzkopf was the man who marshaled all the troops there. And uh, now he was an American, wasn't he? He was American. He doesn't, doesn't sound American. <laughs> Sounds very <laughs> yeah. German to me. Well, well uh, but with German efficiency, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> he 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 led the forces there. No, General Norman Storming Norman. He was dubbed as, and he was a media darling. And uh, if you watch his YouTube clips, he presented them real old school with a, a board and an easel there and a pointing stick. And uh, but he was a media darling and. Uh, with um, he he led those troops there, and it was on um, late nineteen ninety that they began um, thirty eight days of airstrikes and uh, against the the forces, and um, then on February twenty four, nineteen ninety one, at four a.m. All the troops got up there and they began an invasion. And, and uh, so they went straight through the middle. Then they took a left-hand hook and circled all around the troops there. And um, and the Iraqis just uh, um, capitulated pretty much straight away, even though that they had 4,500 tanks versus Americans' paltry 3,700 the Iraqis just capitulated. And within three or four days, they did what, in military terms, a thunder run, mm. straight through to Baghdad. And uh, they surrounded the airport there. And uh, I remember one time they had a mocking um, an interview with Tarek Aziz, who said, oh, no, nothing to see here. We're all we're fighting the Americans back, as he was ducking the... Uh, the bombs that were landing in the background. But, you know, it was an incredible feat that uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf achieved to marshal 750,000 troops Mm. uh, and uh, on one mission, as well as a coalition of forces from many countries, he had to... He had a lot of competing voices Mm. that were vying... But with a laser-like focus, he accomplished that mission with incredible efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, in our Christian war, we need that laser-like focus, like in this day and age, with competing voices. As there are so many uh, things trying to drag us away from our relationship with God. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk more about that shortly. We will. Now, remember our show number today, 0488880891. Later in the program, we've got a free offer. We'll tell you a bit more about that, but we've got a question for you right now. Do all pathways lead to God? Does it really matter what church we go to and how we worship God? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. Eight nine one. So just to reiterate that question, do all pathways lead to God? Does it really matter what church we go to and how we worship God? This is Same God by Hannah Kerr. The same God who makes the planet spin Tells the tide when it should rise Put the colour in my eyes 
the same God who makes the seasons change Knows the number of the stars Every secret in my heart All my doubts All my questions And every fear I have about what might happen You're the same God You're with me in the middle of it all God, you're catching every tear as it God of grace and empathy You know how it feels to cry Cause you lived a human life You're not afraid of anything Even darkness is a light There's no reason I should hide All my doubts, all my questions In every fear I have about what might happen You're the same God You're with me in the middle of it all, God You're catching every tear as it falls I know you'll never change Even when I'm feeling far away You love me the same, God You love me the same Daisy Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Mark Falconer on the topic of Is Jesus Really Serious About Conquering Babylon? And we hadn't really uh, discussed that title before the break but um, we, today we're, we're talking about Babylon and we'll talk more about what that really means. But um, just before we get into this discussion, we just want to reiterate that question we asked you. Do all pathways lead to God? Does it really matter which church we go to and how we worship God? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. So, Mark, uh, this idea of Babylon, this name of Babylon, where did it begin in, in, in the Bible? 
Well, it actually goes back to uh, Genesis chapter 11, and uh, it really ties into that question that you mentioned, do all pathways lead to God? Um, Well, the Bible seems to indicate that there's true worship and false worship. And uh, so this is why we need this laser-like focus, because of all these competing voices that we have and uh, that seek to take us away from God. It reminds me really of the the story of the whole Old Testament, really. Um, I haven't read it personally, like literally turn the pages, but I I listened to the Bible with the audio Bible and uh, I was renovating a house for several months and I listened to most of the Old Testament during that period of time. And that's just this repeated story is that the Israelites got off track. They got distracted. They got infected with with things from other uh, nations, other religions, and God kept on calling them back. And uh, that seems to be the the message of the Old Testament. And And it just repeated again and again and Mm. again. Mm. And uh, with these competing voices that we have in our world, that's why we need to be very clear as to our... Uh, who God is, how we worship, and um, how we live. Mm. And, yeah, you know, yeah, going back to, um, you know, the Tower of Babel, and, uh, and I'm just sort of wondering, Jason, have you ever laid awake as to whatever and wonder whatever happened to the Tower of Babel? Um, I have wondered, and uh, I've heard many different... Um I guess, theories. Um, I know some have been, uh, you know, there are certain structures around Egypt that still sort of exist and they claim that, oh, that could have been the foundations of the tower. But I know you've got something here to share with us. Well, they've actually discovered the the Tower of Babel steel or steely. Um, And what a steely is is essentially an artefact or a piece of stone that was written on it uh, from back in, um, in ancient times. And the Tower of Babel stele is a, one that was discovered from Nebuchadnezzar's time. And um, it was discovered in 1917 and, and three, by three archaeologists. And uh, they did a strange thing. And uh, sort of a little bit like a Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of thing. They decided, because the war was on, they decided to break it into three. And they thought, well, after the war, we'll reassemble the pieces. Problem was, they only found two of them. And they can't find the third. It got lost somewhere along the line. But they had enough information on the Tower of Babel steely that indicated that Nebuchadnezzar was restoring an old tower and this was believed to be the the Tower of Babel. Now, if you were to go to the site of where Babylon is, um, it's about 50k south of Baghdad and Saddam Hussein had visions of restoring Babylon because, Mm. you know, he had delusions of grandeur as we we know. And so this this tower... um, the, the steely that they found, Tower of Babel steely, indicated that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to restore this tower that had fallen into disrepair. 
And uh, we now, of course, this we believe is the the original Tower of Babel that uh, is mentioned in Genesis eleven. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so they even called the 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 today you can see the remains of this tower, and there is a long, tall structure that is still there, and it's called a borsippa, which literally means a tongue tower. And this provides us a link to the language that was associated with the Tower of Babel back in Genesis 11. And uh, so, going back to Genesis chapter 11, where the Tower of Babel originally came from, do you remember this came after the flood? Mm. What did God promise after the flood? Through the rainbow, if I remember correctly, if that's what you're referring to, he promised that he would never flood the world the same way that he did at that time. He would never flood it again. Exactly. Mm. But guess what? These people didn't believe God's promises and thought, well, and, and you know, in case God decides to flood again, we're going to build this giant tower toward heaven. And as they were building... They assume that heaven was far too low, mm. you know, and their <laughs> and their building was far too grand. You know, they decided to cut God down to their own size, and they decided to worship God on their own terms. I'm just going to read verse four of chapter eleven. It says, "And they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower, whose top will reach into heaven, and let's make a name for ourselves." Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad, uh, scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. So they really wanted to, you know, make themselves known to the world. They sure did. And these were structures were similar to the ziggurats that we see today. And there are some great examples. Have a look at them on the Internet and you'll see some in Iraq and Iran and also in Central America, where they were pyramidical structures that reach, were endeavoured to get closer to God and closer to heaven. And uh, on some of them, they believed that they sacrificed uh, children, according to, to some. And so this became a, a structure of worship. But the critical point here is that they wanted to worship God on their own terms. They cut God down to their own size, and if you like, created a cardboard cutout of what God was like mm. and bringing God down to their own view. And so the, the Tower of Babel became a symbol of false worship. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted to restore the Tower of Babel in, in the city of Babylon. God confused the languages back in the ta- back in the Tower of Babel, and then when Nebuchadnezzar came to the throne, he was king of Babylon, and he became emblematic of also false worship. Remember what he said in Daniel chapter four. Yeah, was this? Um, oh, this was after the uh, the statue that was Daniel three, wasn't it? Where they he built this big image that he wanted people to to bow down to. But in Daniel four was when uh, 
Um, he was the dream of him uh, growing up like a tree. Is that right? Yes, and and uh, and Daniel said to him, "You are this tree, mm. and uh, this tree will be cut down." And 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 Daniel urged Nebuchadnezzar to return to God. But unfortunately, one day when he was walking out on the balcony... He says, look at what I've done. Look at what I've made. <laughs> exactly. Mm. And uh, is this not this great Babylon that I have built mm. for me, for me, for me? Mm. And, you know, it's very much about him. Um, and so Nebuchadnezzar became symbolic. We will never be kings. We will never be a king of a great empire, but Nebuchadnezzar, because he thought about himself, he enthroned himself, he wanted to be God of the destiny. We have that same urge, the enthronement of self. We want to be God of ourselves, of our lives. And And of uh, our destiny. And of our destiny, yeah. Yeah, cardboard cutouts of God. Mm, Absolutely. So really this, this... this concept of Tower of Babel and of Babylon um, represents this whole um, concept of worshipping in a way that either worshipping the wrong God or worshipping uh, in, in a way that is opposed to the way God. And, and, and we may not be literally opposed to God as such, but worshipping on our own uh, terms. Our own terms, yeah. And, and includes opposing, of course. Mm. But worshipping God on our own terms, that cardboard cutout of God. Mm, mm. And that's why we need that laser-like focus to make sure that we don't. There's a, a statement you've got written down here, which is a perhaps an easy one for people to remember, which I, I quite liked. Um, sometimes we make God... It's a, you, you, let's just read the statement. It says, The more gods become like people, the easier it is for people to believe in gods. And I think that's what it is, isn't it? We make God in our image rather than us being made in his image. And you know what happens when we bring God down like that? God cannot challenge us. Mm. God cannot change us. And we, we because we've cut him down to what I think is right. Absolutely. Now listen to the question, do all pathways lead to God? Does it really matter what church we go to and how we worship God? Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Later in the program, we've got our free offer, and it's a DVD today. It's called Revelation, The Bride, The Beast, and Babylon. But stay tuned for uh, more details about that after the break. And uh, this right now is Evidence by Jason Horde. my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season from where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness All over my life All over my life I see your promises and fulfillment 
possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Mark Falconer on the series Encounters with Jesus. And today we're speaking about is Jesus really serious about conquering Babylon? And we've just been discussing before the break about Babylon and uh, some of the background of the Tower of Babel and some of the... um, the achievements or the the attempted achievements of Nebuchadnezzar who tried to rebuild the Tower of Babel. He didn't succeed very much. Perhaps he did some work on it, but he didn't succeed overly brilliantly. No, he didn't. And, uh, you know, the Tower of Babel, they took their building as far too grand and heaven far too low and Nebuchadnezzar fell into the same trap. And, uh, and I believe that uh, Alexander the Great also uh, attempted to rebuild it. He did. Uh, he, he tried to re- rebuild it. Uh, the Persians also tried to do something with it. But Alexander the Great, well, he sort of fell ill. He didn't uh, live long, did he? No, he didn't. He died uh, at a very young age, about 31, I think it was. Mm. 31 or 33, something about that. But a very young man, he drank too much one night after celebrating too much. So the the, the city of, of Babylon in, in biblical terms became a symbol mm. of false worship. And that's used throughout the Bible, particularly in the book of Revelation. Absolutely. And uh, that's what we're going to look, look at now is uh, Revelation chapter 14. And uh, we're going to look at um, Revelation 14, the three angels' message, and it talks about Babylon there. Let's have a look at it. Uh, We'll read uh, verse 6 and 7, first of all. And it says, And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of waters. Wow, what a challenge there, eh? Worship him. Mm. And that's what Revelation's all about, is worship. Mm. Who do we worship? Mm. Who has our heart? Who do we think about the most? In our times when we daydream, what do we daydream about the most? Mm. Well, we know what Nebuchadnezzar daydreamed about. Delusions of grandeur. Saddam Hussein dreamed of delusions of grandeur. But what Mm. do we dream about? Mm. 
But God here, Jesus here, challenges us to worship him. He says, fear God. I wonder what fear God means. It means uh, to respect him, to honour him, to give him glory, as it says here. To uh, to ultimately, I think Paul says it, doesn't it? To to give our lives as a living sacrifice. Absolutely, and and to fear God is to have that sense of awe of who God is, and as you say, Jason, to give Him glory, and uh, for the hour of His judgment has come, and uh, so we have to give an account. Um, and to worship him. But, you know, in the first part of the, the verse here, it says about the eternal gospel mm. to go to all the world. So so important. And ultimately that gospel is about the salvation, salvation uh, offered by Christ. By grace. The saving it? grace. Mm. Isn't that good news? Mm. And the eternal gospel that doesn't change mm. right up until he comes again. The eternal gospel that was established back when uh, Jesus preached on earth. And I noted in the last part of verse 7, it talks about a God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. There seems to be, particularly in the last uh, century or so, um, a big movement in our world to deliberately, intentionally try to f- think of any possible way that we can not acknowledge God as our creator. Absolutely. And that that somehow we just, you know, evolved to be here. And evolution has um, unfortunately done a very good job of of discrediting Genesis. And we we are to worship God who made heavens and earth. And evolution simply just does not make sense, nor does it meet the... As they say today, the pub test for real science. Real science, yeah, exactly. Um, because it's, it's neither observable nor repeatable, <laughs> nor testable. Testable, that's right. And which is bizarre, isn't it? It is mm, bizarre. Yeah. So, what about the second angel? Well, another angel, um, and another angel. Uh, a second one followed, saying, "Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her." sexual immorality now this uh, Babylon is no longer talking about the physical place because uh, Babylon now if you look on Google Maps Babylon is just a a bunch of ruins absolutely and so this is what Revelation does it takes what happened locally in Genesis 11 and also in, in, in Daniel when it talks about Babylon what happened locally now it makes it into a worldwide event mm. and so here revelation uh, contrast compares and contrast true and false worship and of course this follows revelation 13 which is talking all about the worship of the beast uh, in revelation 13 and uh, again that says that the whole world will worship the beast and of course uh, it's warning us not to worship the beast so um, this uh, makes it very clear that this is a worldwide um, phenomenon that we're talking about here. And that, that, that's absolutely correct. And this is why it is important that we have a laser-like focus mm. on who God is, what he wants from us, because it does matter how we worship God. Because Revelation 13 makes that very clear that Revelation 13 is about worship 
as Revelation 14 is also about worship, and it certainly does matter. And uh, he's made the all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her uh, sexual immorality. And um, so the third angel's message. Yeah, that's uh, in verse 9 and 10. It says, Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone. So what do we get from that third angel's message? Well, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead and on his hand, you know, what we're talking about here is on the the fore, on, on the forehead is where we do our thinking. Yeah. On a hand is where we do our doing. And, and so by what we think and by what we do affects our beliefs and our values. Mm. And, and so Babylon here in the second angel's message is representing false worship. And if anyone worships the, the beast and his image, this is a false system of worship. Now, we are told in, in um, other parts of Revelation that Christianity, when in its inception in the first century, it was a pure church. It was good. It was humming. It had right and proper teachings. But in the subsequent centuries, it will apostatize. Mm. It will fall away. Mm. And the trumpets tell us about the falling away of Christianity. And here it talks about a false system of worship that will be set up and it will force people to worship a certain way. And we find that really difficult to believe, don't we? Mm. It is hard. It, it's hard to imagine how that's going to happen. And that's true. And yet, is, and yet the world is changing very rapidly and we've seen that recently. And we'll talk shortly about how rapidly that is changing because back in 1980 when I first became a, an Adventist, I couldn't believe that this would ever happen but I do believe that this can happen now but this false worship that is set up we will talk more a little bit about that in our next session awesome we're going to go to a break but before we do we've got our offer today it's a dvd the uh, it's called revelation the bride the beast and babylon this is by doug bachelor discover the hidden history of bible prophecy and uh, just a little bit of information about this dvd going to the very heart of the bible's most challenging book this 90 minute documentary decodes the visions of revelation and uh, for everyone to understand this journeys from the birth of Christ through the Christian era. It's an amazing video that pulls aside the veil of hidden history to reveal the rise of Babylon, the persecution of the bride of Christ, and the real-world identity of the beast. So uh, do stay tuned. Right after the break, we'll give you the code for this offer today. Let the words of my Seasoned with thy love and grace 
Tazian Encounters on Faith FM and today we're finishing up our program with Mark Falconer on the topic of Is Jesus Really Serious About Conquering Babylon? Before the break we talked about our DVD offer today and it's called Revelation of the Bride, the Beast and Babylon. Text in this code ENCOUNTER30 number 30, ENCOUNTER30 30, to 0488880891 to claim your free offer today, this DVD. It's well worth grabbing a copy of this. Text Encounter 30, no spaces, to 0488880891. Now, Mark, before the break, you were saying that we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, concept of Babylon. We didn't quite finish the end of this um, Third Angel's message, did we? No, well... Is, is Jesus really serious about conquering Babylon? The answer is absolutely, because mm. he, he says here, just going on and um, just a little bit further down from the three angels' message, and he says, gives a stark warning. If anyone worships this beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead and on his hand, and, you know, that was the, where they do their thinking and mm. where they do their doing and which affects attitudes, beliefs. And so the, those who receive the mark of the beast mould their character after Satan, after mm. the devil. And uh, so there's true worship versus false worship. And he will also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup. And I wonder what that full strength is. That full strength is, you know, when they press their wine, they did it with, their, uh, with the grapes, they did it with their... Filthy, dirty feet. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they washed their feet beforehand. So. Oh, maybe they did. You know, it's uh, yeah. But anyway, it had unique flavours, no doubt. But a grit there as well. But they would always water their wine down, mm. and so the 
the unmixed grape juice was the full concentrate, full, yeah. full strength. And so here God is going to pour their wrath out. So yes, he will conquer it. And um, so Babylon itself represents false worship. And this is why we need a laser-like focus to understand what that false worship is. And at verse 12 here it says, Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. See, to me, that says Jesus is serious. Absolutely. He's saying that that we can uh, escape this wrath if we stay focused. And if we stay focused, we worship him, and we keep his commandments and maintain our faith in, in Jesus. Mm. And uh, so that that's absolutely essential amongst all those competing uh, voices. Mm. Now... What I want to share with you today is one of our pioneers had this to say to us. Now, I want you to listen real carefully. And um, she she says here that um, her heart trembled of how poorly the people were prepared to meet him and the trials of children of Israel and their attitude just before the coming of of Christ, and she compares the the attitude of just before Jesus' coming to that of the Jews was similar. Mm. So, in other words, so called God's people had the similar attitude to that of the Jews, and as we know, the Jews missed the Messiah, didn't they? They did. And so what is that fundamental attitude that we're talking about? They did not have the attitude, a teachable attitude. They were not looking for, for Christ. They did not want his version of Christianity. Mm. In fact, they rejected it. They, they crucified him. Mm. Uh, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm. And... They had their own cardboard cut out of what God would look like. They had established a system of works. Jesus had established that of grace. And he looked after people who were rejected in society, the lame, the poor, the blind. And the kingdom of heaven was all for all people. And he offered grace. The Jews rejected that. Mm. And it's it's not that, you know, many would argue that the Jews uh, were legalistic, which they were, yep. you know, in their approach. Um, so many would argue that, therefore, we need to throw out the commandments, you know, because we don't want legalism in our Christianity today. But that's not what Jesus was really talking about, was it? Well, and, and Jesus rejected legalism. Mm. And, 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 and in that sense, the Jews were, had a false Sabbath and, mm. and the wrong Sabbath, mm. the wrong concept of what Sabbath represented. And uh, so their whole system of religion and every false religion is built on a system of works. And and instead, the the true religion is when we have the relationship with Christ, we recognise the salvation that he offers through grace, and then we respond in love to that. The eternal gospel, as in the first mm. angel's message. Mm. And uh, it's incredible, isn't it? But time's starting to run out. Mm. And, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, Jason, that 
it's difficult to understand how our world will evolve to a point whereby God's people will be persecuted to the point of being put to death. Mm. How could that possibly be? I have a feeling that it uh, could uh, have something to do with, um, well, I think the the climate change issue is is a big one. We saw it in COVID, didn't we? Where the lockdowns, you know, the lockdowns were treated so extremely in some cases where people who resisted that were persecuted. And and what we saw was an authoritarian government Mm. and we are moving more towards authoritarianism. Even Mm. though we have democracy, um, we certainly are moving towards um, much more authoritarian governments. Let me share with you, I think, you know, our world had changed a couple of weeks ago when, you remember when Andrew Thornburn resigned after just 30 hours into his job with Essendon as the CEO. Now, I'm not into AFL and it doesn't float my boat, frankly, but the point was that he was um, he was only in the job for 30 hours and he was asked to resign simply because of a video that had been posted from his church 10 years ago that he himself didn't even publish. Mm, mm. And having to give up his job because of a Christian video? Mm. And I wonder if that would be the same if it was a different religion. Mm. So we have cancel culture that can just cancel you out um, because you have alternative views to society. Is that fair? Mm. And that kind of, this has happened because society has jettisoned Christianity. And we now we are living under the tyranny of so-called tolerance. Mm. And, you know, you remember in Canada when people were protested against the COVID, uh, the, the truckies and the truckies uh, all of that, yeah. Amazing their, things. Had their bank accounts cancelled. Mm. Mm. Some even had their children taken off them. Mm. The tyranny of tolerance and mm. what we live in today. Mm. So we're not really living in a very tolerant world, although we like to think we are. Yeah. And so. cancel culture will just wipe you out. Mm. And it creates a much easier environment now to bring in restrictions because we've had the dry run with COVID mm. and people are quite happy in order to have security to have their rights taken away. Some people. Some, yeah, 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 that's right. Some people, absolutely, yes. Not, not everyone was happy. <laughs> no, no, there was a few. But, people. but uh, by and large, people complied um, with with the uh, the pretty harsh uh, the lockdowns and the authoritarian type of approach to things. And and, uh, and, and they're backed up by biased media and big tech who mm. were willing to uh, farm out the narrative. Mm. It's amazing how you can't even really have an opinion these days. You can't share an opinion uh, on social media if it uh, is opposed to or even challenging the perspective of the mainstream, if it's got to do with certain topics. That's right. And and our church has been cowered into silence. Mm. The church has been cowered into silence. Mm. We no longer have a voice. Mm. Mm. And we're going to see more and more of that as time goes on. So... 
Is Jesus really serious about conquering Babylon? Well, we know that even though all of this is going to happen, that eventually he will conquer it all. And that's why we've got to have that laser-like focus. Mm, Absolutely. Now, that comes to the conclusion of our program today with Mark. Next time you're on in two weeks, you're going to be talking about uh, something different, about Barabbas. Yeah, we're going to look at his, his rebellion and how mob rules. So it's, do tune in in two weeks' time. Is Jesus really serious about holding people to account with Mark Falconer? Next uh, Monday we'll be with uh, Afi Tuaoi and we'll be continuing on with Hosea. Tomorrow we've got Peter Watts on our show here with Daniel and the God of Wisdom. Daniel chapter 12 is our program for tomorrow. And, of course, uh, don't forget about our Lifestyle Medicine program coming up. Do text in EATWELL22 to gain some information, to get a text message back that tells you all about it. So text in EATWELL22-0488-880891 if you're in the Hobart area. Remember our offer today, Encounter 30, for the Babylon DVD. Have a great day wherever you are. We just ask that or pray that God is with you and that you feel his presence. This is Sons of Korah with Psalm 92. You have exalted my horn like the oxen you pour upon me. Your anointing oil, my eyes have seen the defeat of my foes. The sound.